I want to welcome you to um, the second week of the final five. And uh, it's the final five things that Jesus taught before he left the planet. It's not really all of the things he did, because he did, but it's the final five parables, word pictures, stories that he used to illustrate one single very important point. All five of these parables, all five of these last parables, these are the last five parables he taught to crowds to make a word picture to help explain all focused on the kingdom of God, every one of them. So like last week, what we saw, you told this parable of two sons, and basically the condensed message was very simply this, actions speak louder than words, right? So the point is, is that if you say you believe and you don't do, then you're actually an unfollower, you're not a follower. So all five of these parables were spoken to the same kind of people, a crowd. And in that crowd, there were the same three kinds of people in all five crowds. There were the followers, that's the people who just believed in God, and their actions lined up with their words. They were living and following Jesus, literally following him around uh, all of Israel and other places. Um, then there were the unfollowers. The unfollowers were this group of people who forever said they were going to follow, said they believed God, said that he was their God, but they never actually really did it. Like, you know, they, they kind of got corrupt. They kind of did it on their own. And then there were the could-be, would-be followers. And the could-be, would-be followers were all these people who, because they weren't Jewish or because they weren't already followers, had never really heard that, like, they could follow God, that they could be blessed by God. So there's five different parables, all at the same exact message, five different viewpoints, all with the exact same message, five different kind of perspectives, ways, stories, the emphasis like that hit all of these crowds a different way, but they all had the same message, and that was this, that you could lose or gain the kingdom of God. The actual point was you could lose the kingdom of God because it was pointed at the unfollowers, but there's something to learn all the way across. So let's just get started. We'll dive into number two, the second right thing that he said, the second of the last five things that he said to the world before he left. Now, listen to another story. A certain landowner planted a vineyard, built a wall around it, dug a pit for pressing out the grape juice, and built. At the time of the grape harvest, he sent his servants to collect his share of the crop. So he rented it out to these landowners, and then he sent his servants to collect the share, the rent, as it were. But the farmers, the wicked farmers, the tenant farmers, grabbed his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned another. So the landowner sent a larger group of his servants to collect for him. But the results were the same. Finally, the owner sent his son, thinking, surely, they will respect my son. But when the tenant farmers saw his son coming, they said to one another, here comes the heir to the estate. Come on, let's kill him and get the estate for ourselves. So they grabbed him, dragged him out of the vineyard and murdered him. When the owner of the vineyard returns, Jesus asked, great question, what do you think he will do to those wicked farmers? The religious leaders the hypocrites, he will put the wicked men to a horrible death and then lease the vineyard to others 
who will give him his share of the crop after each harvest. Then Jesus asked them, didn't you ever read this in scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it's wonderful to see. I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you, he's talking to those bad religious leaders, and given to a nation that will produce the proper fruit. Anyone who stumbles over that stone will be broken to pieces and it'll crush anyone who falls on it. What he's saying is this, it's like, like, right, Jesus is the way. You ignore that, you're gonna be crushed under that confession. When the leading priests and the Pharisees heard this parable, they realized he was telling the story against them. They were the wicked farmers. So what is this whole parable talking about? The long and short of it, our one-liner would be this. Use it well or lose it all. Use it well or lose it all. Now, who's he talking to? He's talking to the followers, right? The disciples who literally walked around with him and the crowds who, who also were following him all around Israel, the people who were receptive, listening, turning, changing, and living for him. And they were kind of learning indirectly though, right? I mean, they were kind of learning indirectly because this wasn't really spoken to them. It was spoken to that other second part of the crowd, the unfollowers. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, really any Jewish person who had said, you are my God, but then wasn't living like it, who wasn't producing the right kind of fruit in the field, their life, their life, in the field that God had given them. The people who were not returning a portion of the fruit in the field, their life, back to God. It is his kingdom. That's the field. That's the field. So to all of those who have unfollowed God, had unfollowed his profile, unfollowed him, they had said, hey, you're my friend, and they secretly went the other way, they was talking to them. And then, of course, he's talking to the third part of the crowd, which is could-be, would-be followers. The could-be, would-be followers. Because these are the people who weren't part of the nation of Israel. For 6,000 years, they hadn't been told the truth. So they, they hadn't been hypocrites. They hadn't rejected it, right? And at the same time, they weren't yet followers, they're just in the crowd. They're watching people get healed. They're watching this teacher named Jesus who everybody claims is the son of God teach with great authority and show miracles and power. So they're kind of like getting there, convinced. They're, they're gaining hope, but they're just the could-be, would-be followers. So to these three groups, what is the message? Well, it's three very different messages, right? If you're, if you're a follower and you're standing in the crowd, you're already following him. You believe in him. You know he's Jesus. You know he's the Messiah by this point. You know he's the son of God. You already know he's going to go away. You know he's going to die. He says he's going to come back to life, but that's kind of bizarre. But you believe it because he said it. And so the message to you is, is more of like a warning if you're in the crowd as a follower, right? It's a, it's a remember God. I mean, there is a little warning there. Like these people, they were given the kingdom, and then they checked out. And they didn't use the kingdom right, and they didn't develop the kingdom, and they didn't produce the kind of fruit in the kingdom of God and the, that he gave them their lives, that kingdom of God, the rule of God. They stopped following. They wanted to own it, whatever. But So it's just a warning. Like, you could be that too. So remember God. But there's also in there, right, there's two lines, which is return the fruit 
a portion of it, right? In other words, this is a rented life. But there's also produced the right kind of fruit. And you're kind of like, what the heck is, like, what does that mean? Well, it means this. God created everything. You heard that in all the worship today. Incredible worship. He created everything. He created us. He laid out the plan, and he knows how we work best. So he gave us guidelines, rules. People call them commands. It kind of sounds negative, but if you look at them, they're very tender. It's not the Ten Commandments. It's the tender commandments. They're designed to give us the best life possible, right? Don't sleep with your neighbor. Don't rob. Don't steal, right? Keep God holy. Don't have other gods. It's all designed for us to have a great life. Even if you weren't a follower and you did all this stuff, you would have a great life. So really... I'm in the kingdom of God. It exists right now, right? It existed when Jesus came. He brought the kingdom of God to earth. In other words, the rule of God. He said, I'm the Lord. I take in control of everything. If you follow me, I'll bless you. It's the same thing he said to the Israelites before, which is, here's a nation flowing with fruit and big fruit, milk and honey, and, and everything you could ever want. And all you have to do is follow me, and you can have that land, and you can live in that land. But then they unfollowed him, right? So we've been given the same thing here on this earth. We've been given the gift of peace and salvation. We've been given the gift of just knowing God, experiencing him, and, and, and we're in that field, and all he said is produce the right kind of fruit. Produce the right kind of fruit. It's a big reminder to me. What does God want me to produce? And then there's a reminder to me, too, that I need to share back with him. All right. So if the unfollower are in the crowd, what's the message to them? <laughs> he told them, He's straight, point blank. I gave you the kingdom of God. I gave you the field. I gave you the honor. I said, you are the people of God. You are my children. And I said to you, all you need to do is be a light to the world. You need to make me accessible to all the nations who don't know. You need to live for me, be a shining light for me. That is the fruit. It was an easy ticket. He promised them, if you follow me, I will bless your crops, I will bless your herds, I will bless your businesses. And for the people who followed him, he always did. It's a historical fact. But they didn't honor God. And they didn't return to him what was his. The souls of the lost, the tithes of their crops, the honor, the obedience. They were wicked farmers. And the message to them was, I'm taking the kingdom from you and I'm giving it to someone else. And the question is, who's the someone else? Right? The cool part about this parable is it talks about how the farmer sends first some servants, right, to go, hey, get this right, do the right thing, give him his share of the crop, live right, agree to the terms, live by the terms. They, they beat him. And he sent another group, and they beat him. And then he sends his son, and they kill him. And if you haven't seen the lineup here, those three groups of people who the landowner sent back to warn the wicked farmers to repent are the same three. Originally, God sent the prophets to Israel, and he said, I gave you this kingdom, and you're not living right. You need to repent. You need to turn. You need to do the right thing. And they beat him and oppressed him. Sometimes some people obeyed him, but mostly it was a tough life being a prophet. And a vast amount of them were killed because they spoke the words of God to people who had decided they were going to do it their own way. We believe in God. We're going to do it our own way. Then he sent this guy named John the Baptist. 
He was born about the same time Jesus was. He had a different mission than Jesus. Jesus just got to grow up and, and get up to 30, and he was just, and then, then his ministry started. But John the Baptist started as soon as he was a young man, and uh, he was called to be the forerunner for, for Christ. And he just kind of, you know, he was kind of the Paul Revere, you know, of spirituality. And he went forward, he said, Messiah's here, and he would show them and open the scriptures to them and say, repent for the time is at hand. In other words, get your heart ready because we've been waiting for 6,000 years or 5,000 years or 4,000 years, and, and he's now here. I know he's here. I know who he is. He's coming. Prepare ye the way for the Lord. He didn't have to John. The religious leaders, right? The unfollowers, all they did was persecute him and tear him apart. So God sent his son. And they murdered him. It's really funny. There's a verse in the Bible that says that when you curse your brother, you might as well be murdering him. And I wonder, now today, we can't really kill Jesus if we're unfollowers because he's not in flesh. But I wonder if when we curse him, when we deny him, when we walk away, if we aren't kind of pulling off that third category. Of killing the Savior. Any of that third group of people, the could be, would be followers, you know, um, they should have heard this loud and clear. You may only get one chance. But there is hope because you get a chance. They all knew that these people were the people of God, chosen by God, and they heard the Son of God saying, Kingdom's getting taken away from you, it's getting given to everybody. You don't have to be born a Jew. You don't have to be circumcised anymore. You don't have to do anything. You guys were supposed to do this. You were supposed to spread it and give it to all them, and you held it for yourselves, and you didn't follow it, and you weren't even good representatives of it, and you don't live it. So I am now going to hand it to these people the same way it was handed to you. And that was actually kind of a cool message of hope, right? If you're a could-be, would-be follower, if you're a could-be, would-be follower and you're sitting today, that's kind of hopeful, Right? You don't have to be raised in a church and religious parents do exactly the right thing, anything. According to the scripture we read last week, you'd be a prostitute or a wicked tax collector, a murderer. And if you hear that love is the answer and that Jesus is the way and you choose to follow him, you're good enough. You can get into this kingdom, right? The kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, right? Which is like when I die, I live forever in a really great place instead of hell, right? I can get into the kingdom of heaven today because Jesus, God, is in charge today. He protects his children. He guides them. He gives us a way to live that he blesses, that works for us. That's hope for the could-be, would-be follower. If you haven't really decided to follow, you need to be listening today because you're in the crowd, and what he's saying is, it can be yours. So I think all that's really cool. But then I ask, you know, how does that apply to me? And, of course, it's pretty simple how it applies. Everybody who's sitting here today is hearing, right, is hearing the fourth last parable that Jesus ever spoke to the planet. And his message is this, kingdom of God's good. And you can be in the kingdom of God, but you need to produce the right kind of fruit. And you give back to God what is his, but it's a great life. It's a great opportunity. You misuse it, you lose it, right? So it's what? Use it well or lose it all. And every one of us is either a follower today. Our actions line up with our beliefs. Or we're end follower, our actions totally show that we don't believe what we say we believe. Or we could be would-be follower, we don't know anything. 
So if you be a follower, like if you say, I am a follower of Christ and you are actually trying to live for him, following him actively, fixing your problems, whatever it is, but you're actively following, you'd be standing in the crowd, you'd say, I am a follower. Not just I following you around, but I believe in you, I'm a follower. And I'm applying your truths. And you know, then it's, it's kind of like the message is, is this, right? <laughs> Use it well, lose it all. Actions speak louder than words, kind of ties to last week. But it kind of says this, is this, it's just like what? Live for him, leverage him. This isn't a sacrifice on your part. This is an opportunity. Apply the truths of God. Live bountifully. Rock this world. Maybe a little caveat or warning. (laughs) Watch out, because those people kind of walked with me too for a while, and then they became idiots. So don't get stupid. Don't forget me. And Jesus said this one comment. Um, I, I can't ignore in this passage that there's just this idea that we return the fruits to him, the rent. And you go like, what is that? It's kind of spiritual. It's kind of material too. Because if you look throughout all the Bible, he wants us to return offerings of praise to him. He wants us to give him credit for what he does. He wants us to honor him and to obey him and to choose him first. These are us giving him the first fruits of our lives. These are, this is very spiritual. But there's also a very practical material thing about our time, our talent, our treasures that we don't need to miss. Because this is the mistake. This is where it started for the Pharisees. It came down to money and power, but it led them astray spiritually. So the material led them away spiritually. It's always this way. Jesus made this comment. It's a tough comment. It says this. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be, how hard it is for the rich, for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And it's not because, like, Jesus was checking your W-2. It's because when you want to be in the kingdom of God, you become a tenant farmer. No longer is the field yours. It is his. And you sacrifice your time, your talent, your treasure, for better, invest it in this great opportunity to work the best field ever, the kingdom of God, to produce the kind of fruit that he wants, a great life for you and a great life for others. Hope for you and hope for others but you return back. So as I'm working in the field, the kingdom of God in my life, it's not just spiritual, it is materialistic. He's gonna bless me. In fact, he has. He's blessed me financially. He's blessed me with friends. He's blessed me with hope. He's blessed me with love. He's blessed me with a home. He's blessed me with a car. All things that can be used to produce fruit, the same kind of fruit, for other people. But if I get focused on that and I don't put him first on my calendar and first in my wallet and first with my talent, then I'm not bearing the kind of fruit that he wants. It's a good message to remember. So that's a follower. If you're an unfollower, I mean, it's just really this simple. (laughs) The unfollower is kind of simple. The kingdom of God, you know, can get taken away. Don't take it for granted. Don't forget who made you. Don't forget who made the earth. Don't forget who you said you believed in. And don't forget how he loves us so much that he will discipline us. He may pull the kingdom from you. You may get into heaven by the skin of your chinny, chin, chin. But he will discipline you because he loves you. He's going to try to win you back. Just read the Old Testament. They walked away. He crushed them. They come back. Who wants to live that way? So if you're an unfollower, I mean, it's really simple. Fix it. Do you really want to go through the cycle 
of discipline again and again and again and again. It says this. It says, uh, um, it's a scary thing to fall in the hands of an angry God. We don't want to think of God as angry. But God gets angry. He gets angry at people. He divorced his people once. He told them straight up, I'm angry. I'm going to destroy you. Moses and God fought over him destroying people because he was angry. And it wasn't that he was hateful. It's that he was angry that, that these people said they loved him turned away. Just imagine if your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, or your mom or your dad abandoned you today and just said, you know, and turned away from you. You'd be angry. And we don't return to God when we say we believe something and then we don't live it. We don't produce the crop he wants and we kill his son and all his other servants and we ignore them. He gets angry. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just saying like, there is some component of this following God that's not just about love you know, and unicorns. It's about being standing in fear, honor, of a God who can create the world, who can speak something in existence. He can speak it right back out. So find yourself a hypocrite and a follower, the religious. I just urge you, you know, fix that. Fix that. If you're an unfollower, you have the greatest opportunity today. If you're an unfollower, you have the best opportunity today. He may have taken away from the religious hypocrites. The other people may be following him. They get a portion, but you got a ticket. You got the golden ticket. You're invited to become part of God's kingdom, a place where he says, here's the rules, this is how you leverage it, and this is how I bless you. But you gotta follow me, which means you have to put him first, and you gotta come second. I tell people this all the time, teenagers, I love teaching teenagers, and they're like, they get 16, 17, you get a driving's license, go out and get a job. And then they tell me, I can't come to youth group, I can't come to church, he's Kroger needs me. And I always tell them, you made this bed, now you got to lie in it. The better thing is to start right. You look at the people around you, you go get the job, look at them and say what? I can't work on Wednesday night because I'm spiritual. I believe in God and he comes first. That's going to actually make me your best employee. I'm honest, I don't steal, and I won't sleep with the cashiers. And I'm not working on Sunday because there needs to be a day of rest. I know that may not make sense to you, but again, a rested employee is an awesome employee. So you let those heathens work those days. I need them off. You know, time and time again, when people would go and approach the job that way, guess what the people would say? Okay. And as long as you lived well, worked hard, and produced for them, it never changed. We think we don't control anything. Probably we don't control as much as we want to. But you do control your destiny. You have the ability to say, no. I am going to follow. Following doesn't mean that you get Jesus to walk with you. It means you get behind him and you follow him. So if you're a would-be, could-be follower, you're like, well, that was a heavy message. I thought it was about hope. It is. Because if you follow Jesus... He's going to end up in heaven, and so will you. And Jesus isn't going to be destitute and broke and empty and horrible because he's the Lord God, the Son of God. He is God. So if you follow him, where's your destination? Good, hope, health, peace, prosperity, even if you're poor. But again and again and again, we don't follow. We don't work where he's working. We don't go where he's going. So 
if you're a would-be, could-be follower, I want to invite you to not be an unfollower. And to not be a follower that needs to be reminded, but to just jump in, heads in, and hear this. There's hope you can live forever. You can know God. You can find freedom. And you can discover a purpose that lets you produce fruit that changes the world in such a way that you go to bed smiling and you don't consider it a cost. You consider it an opportunity. Man, I want to live my best day ever. And the pathway to that is to know God, to find freedom, and to discover my purpose and do what God designed me to do. Man, I'm telling you, I encourage you just to follow him. Now, you may be sitting here, the could be, would be follower, and you don't know, like, what does that mean? I remember those days. And I always complain because I go to all these workshops and seminars about discipleship, they never tell me how to. So if you're a could be, would be follower, can I tell you how to today? Bow your heads, pray this prayer. I'd encourage you to pray it aloud, even if you pray it in that quiet little introvert voice because you're scared. But you pray it to him. Articulate these words to God. God, I want to follow you. I want to know you. I want to be part of the kingdom of God. Man, I want to find freedom from all this stuff. I want to become a follower. Please. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, you just became a follower. Because you said, for one reason or another, I believe enough in God to articulate to him that he is God. To live in the kingdom of God. And I just applaud you. Please find somebody from the stage afterwards because we want to walk this journey with you. Cause, why? Because we're selfish. It's so fun to watch people follow God. And your life, your day has just begun. Cool? Yeah? All right. So today's message is what? Use it well or lose it all. Okay? So let's do that. Let's be really great followers in the kingdom of God. Um, at the end of, of the, these five messages, which I guess is now going to be three more after today, we, we're stopping and pausing. I don't know if they're putting on some video or not. I, I don't care. I trust their judgment. But you are a Three Taverns Church. Give yourself a round of applause. Which means he's given us this field. This is the field he's given us. And there's fruit that he wants us to do. That might be different for some other church. No competition. That's awesome. But we need to do our part in the kingdom. And a really cool thing, I don't have time to explain it today, happened in November, December. God consolidated and clarified for us three areas that we need to work in our field and three fruits we need to produce. Here's the picture. We need to work in the field of our community. That's internally being strong with one another, keeping that up. And I'm not saying we failed, but he's put in our heart that there's empty chairs here that can be filled by other broken, messed up people like us who want to find freedom. Then we do our part in the community along with every other billion church. They're all over, right? To find people in the community to make sure that they know that they can know God. To, to be that Jesus-like messenger out there, right? And then, and then to kind of bring them in. But what that's meant for us is some, some places we've had to clarify, like, when somebody walks in the door and they know nothing, we're so used to knowing how to do this 
that we're not, we're not always like, you know, hey, just do this next. Hey, just do this next. You may have noticed today and last week I've been salt and peppering some new phrases with you because we found a way to explain best day ever. We've been saying it forever. Right? And our website says best day ever, right? It's working for us. It might work for you. But we figured out how to articulate to somebody new how we're living our best day ever. And that's this. Know God, find freedom, and discover your purpose. That's your best day. Here's where you can help in this effort. Every week I'm going to give you places you can help. We need two people who are like this. I just want to work with Tim. Tim's our production guy. And I just want to work with Tim. And I'll work every week just to keep things clear and running and simple so that people can see the scriptures, hear the words, worship God, have fun, and none of that will become like an interruption to their morning with him. And I wouldn't see it as like, oh, well, I have to work another day at church. I would see it as, Man, I can plow this field for God because the fruit he wants is for people to hear the gospel. And no, you don't have to have technology, but we do. And it helps communicate the gospel here and over the video and everything else. Two, two, two cool opportunities. Tim's back there. Katie was over there. I don't know where Katie went. But Katie um, is building what we call a front-end team or a host team that helps articulate this message of know God, discover your purpose, find freedom, discover your purpose. Uh, make sure that people can find bathrooms and coffee and maybe gets the place spruced up a bit. Then a lot of people are like, oh, I gotta clean again this week because we don't use gender services. We are disciples, we clean our own place. Oh, I gotta do it. No, you get to do it. We've gotta shift the mentality. This is not a cost to us. This is an opportunity. He gave us the field. It's like the temple servants. They could have been like, oh, I gotta go clean the horn and light the candle, the Lord God. Or they could have seen it as they got picked out of the whole crowd to be the Levites to get the opportunity, and that's you. The daycare is the other part of the field he told us, and I just want to share with you something that, that we're doing. Um, we've not even bad. Our daycare is awesome. But what we have figured out is this. We need to do more ministry to those families, and the reason it's so difficult sometimes is because the daycare is kind of disconnected from us. It runs like this little business out here. And so um, we have abolished the director of daycare position, and we are going to hire a minister to young children and their families in the community through daycare. I don't know what we're going to call it. It's going to become a ministry, a staff position of the church, so that the church and the gospel stay intimately connected, which is going to open up a ton of avenues. Just pray for us, because we're finding that person. And, and, and it opens up a ton of avenues to you, because as soon as that person's in place, if you know how to do finances... You know, maybe if you if you're, could just be a helping hand, uh, you know, get somebody in from the rain. There's a thousand opportunities for us to do what? Be, basically be the front end crew to these 55 families who a lot of them don't walk with Jesus. Isn't that a cool opportunity? 55 families is more than the core of our people are like, we're partners, we're going down with the ship. That's a great opportunity. So just be listening more for that and pray for that director. And then the final one is discipleship. I, I don't even know what to tell you. I and mean, we're at... We're at multiples of tens of thousands of potential disciples made in the next three years. It's overwhelming. Um, I know I'm gone a lot. I love you. Thank you for being so patient, loving, and filling the gaps. There's more gaps to be filled. I need people who can look up scriptures. That sounds crazy. I, I need people who know how to, who, who can write code. Uh, you know how to use SQL. And this can mean nothing to a lot of you, but I need people who can write SQL, uh, HTML5, CSS5. I, I need those people. I really need somebody who gets MySQL. Oh, dear 
Lord, I broke something and I need it fixed. Um, so, so I just can't do all that anymore and go do this other stuff, which is, I guess, be the voice crying in the wilderness. You know, hopefully I'm not going to get killed. Uh, asking people to make disciples. There's just so much that we need. I want to take 100 Waldos to the conference. Waldos are our mascot. We say we found the Waldo in discipleship with God, right? So the more Waldos we put at the conference, the more impact it makes. The more people ask, the more we share this method God showed us that's 95% successful. There are tons of places you can plug in. If you want to plug into sustainable discipleship, you could tell me so I can dance around and be like, oh, that's awesome. And then go tell Jamie because I ain't got the time to figure it out. All right, good? So, so the point is he's given us a field or three fields. These are the places he told us to work. Listen to the parable. This is the kingdom of God among us. This is where God's working among us. Make sure you ask yourself the question, what field are you working in? And does your life supersede this? Or is he out in front of you? In your time, talent, your treasures, in your hope, in your spirituality, are you following? Because that's where we really, really want to be. Cool? Sound great? All right, so then here's the thing. I will see you Wednesday. On the other side of the wall, this incredible teacher, not me, who's teaching experience in God. There's stuff for your kids. There's stuff for the youth, and it's going to be awesome. So I'll see you on Wednesday. And all the people said... So be it. You just made a commitment. I'll see you Wednesday.